This week, in honor of Mother's Day, Pastor Paul delivers a special message of God's love for mothers and how mothers can love their children the same way that God loves us. All right, I already said it, but I'm going to repeat it again. Good morning! And if you are a mom, happy Mother's Day. And it is a privilege and honor for me to say that. And so, you know, my mom passed away many years ago. Some of you were around when that happened, and and so to be able to pay tribute to moms that some, some of them walked with faith and some of them didn't walk with faith, and, but yet be able to say, God, thank you for, for her. And when I was praying with Robbie earlier this morning, you know, Robbie said, the Timothy, and Paul's, and it was his grandmother and his mom who helped ignite and encourage the faith for Timothy to do what Timothy did. And, and so, you know, it, is, it was her, my mom. Maybe not being as faithful as she could be, but her mom, my mom, getting me into church and helping me grow spiritually. So um, with that, I say a happy Mother's Day to you. My friend Steve and I, we were having coffee, as we always do on Friday mornings, or my accountability friend. And what we do is he knows a lot of people. And so Steve saw this young lady who he happened to know the name of, and he goes, oh, hi. And he introduces me to her, and, and she's a young mom. And he goes, oh, this is Paul. He's pastor for a church in Colton. And, and he's doing a Mother's Day message. And I said, oh, this is an opportunity for me to talk to a young mom. I said, good morning, how are you? And she goes, I go, how are you doing as a mom? And she says this. She says, I'm just hanging on. You know, and it was, a, it was an honest, honest look. Maybe she hadn't had her cup of coffee yet. That could be the problem. She, she just said, oh, once I get my coffee, I'm good. But, but the truth is, I think she was just hanging on. There was a survey of... Um, there's some studies about mom. I was reading these articles, some emotional challenges that mom face. You know, moms, across the board, they constantly worry. They constantly worry. They worry about their kids. They worry about their family. They worry about who they are. They worry about whether, whether their kids are doing well, whether they're good enough, whether they're doing good. So they con- moms are constantly challenged. Um, are they doing okay? Second thing moms are emotionally challenged is to feel the pressure to be perfect. And yet they know they're not. Feel the pressure to always perform. If, if I don't do this right, am I going to scar my kid for life? If, if, I, if my kid doesn't get here, is, is that, how is that going to reflect upon me, if my house, my car, my job, whatever it is? Moms look at their kids and they wonder if what am I doing, is that affecting my kids for a long time? And there's constant pressure to be perfect, and yet moms feel inwardly they know that they are not. Moms feel a loss of control. I've not got an amen yet for any of the moms here, but moms feel a loss of control of their schedule. How, how, I used to be able to do what I wanted to do with my time, and then I have kids, then I have grandkids, and, and, and all of a sudden my schedule is not their schedule because all of a sudden they've got 16 things they've got to do this week, and I've got to get them to all 16, right? Or, or they've got their friends, who are their friends, and, and, and I've lost control of who their friends were. I used to be able to control who their friends were, their resources, your, your, your checking account just shrinks down to zero, right? If you've got kids, you know how expensive they are. you got grandkids, you think, wow, finally, all the expenses for my kids are over with, and then poof, grandkids come into the picture, right? You know that you've lost control, and so moms are emotionally challenged with the loss of the resources. And then finally, the emotional challenge of they have to let go. The little child that they carried one time chest, they let go. And, and the, the kid, is it, is, are they going to do okay? Is he going to do okay? Is she going to do okay? And, and then who are they having as friends? Where are they at? They're constantly having to let go, and, and that's really hard for moms. 92% of 
92% of working moms, another article said, felt overwhelmed by work, home, and parenting responsibilities. Men, this is for us to be aware of. Nine out of ten women in this church feel overwhelmed in some aspect by, by their work, their home, and their parenting responsibilities. It's just, if I work, I can't be with my kids. If I'm with my kids, I can't work. If I've got to take care of the home, I've got to be, got to be a wife. I, I just, I'm, and then, then they think, well, well okay, if, if I don't work, I can spend more time with my kids. Look at this. 89% of stay-at-home moms felt overwhelmed by work, home, and parenting responsibilities. Nine out of ten in other words, most of you here are overwhelmed. Most of you here feel the burden of, of your children, whether or not they live with you, whether or not they've moved out, or they're young infants. There's a burden. There's, a, there's something that moms do that's really special. And by the way, just because you're not a mom doesn't mean that this message is not for you. If you're, you're a guy here and, and you hear this message, there's two ways you can apply this message. You're going to see you can apply the scriptural truth throughout this message, feel free to take them and use them. Second one is you can be more sensitive and aware of your mom, your wife, your grandparents, whomever you know that is a mom. You can be aware of what they're going through and what they're thinking about. 90%, 90% of moms feel overwhelmed by work, home, and parenting responsibilities. That's huge. That is massive. And so when I thought of doing a Mother's Day message, um, instead of speaking about the wrath of God for Mother's Day. <laughs> you know, you can come next week. We're going we're gonna to talk about that, right? Um, so when I thought about doing a Mother's Day message, there's a passage, a verse in the small New Testament book, um, Armphaniah, a small three-chapter book. If, if you've got your Bibles, you're going to turn to it, and you're going to pass it six times trying to get to it. I, I suggest you go to your electronic device and find it, right? Um, it, it's Zephaniah. And it's in chapter 3, verse 17. And I'm going to read you that passage. Then we're going to hear it over and over and over again. So, so it's going to get drilled in your mind. I'm going to read it to us. And then after I read it to us, I want us to read it t- together, okay? So it's going to be up here on the screen. And it says this, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. His, with his love, he will calm your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful song. Aloud, we're going to read till we get to a punctuation mark. We're going to take a breath, and we're going to continue on, okay? So that we can all read this together. It's one verse, has five pauses, actually six counting the comma. I think we can read this together. I've got my friend Steve up here. He has a really good voice. Just follow along with him. Ha! Stephen, what? Okay, you guys ready? One, two, three. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful song. Man, if you want to put a good passage in your brain, you want to do follow this verse, live with this verse. This verse deals with, in the context, Zephaniah is, is preaching to uh, Jerusalem. A town that, a community that the, the political leaders have gone amok. The political leaders are way off the charts. The religious leaders are doing what they're doing to make financial gain. The community is, is idol worshiping, and there's just a faithful few people left in the community that are truly worshiping God. And in chapter 3, Zephaniah is, is probably one of the harshest judgmental books in the Old Testament about Jerusalem and the troubles that they were in. And, and in heart of it, 
God speaks to Zephaniah and he says, here's hope after the turmoil. Here's hope in the midst of the five things in there, five qualities about God, and we're going to see how we need to then activate and apply them. Number one is God is living with us. This verse says, for the Lord your God is living among you. God is living with us. That's the first blank you fill in. Uh, and so it, it doesn't say he had lived. It doesn't say he will live. It is active, is living among you. God is, is, is not distant. He's not far away. He, he isn't someone in the past that just created the world and gone. God is living, very active. And it reminded me of the verse in um, Exodus. Moses is, is encountered God. Moses saw this, this thing, bush thing in the, in the hills on the mountainside. And so Moses approached it, and all of a sudden the verse, the bush says, I am the Lord your God, and, and take off your shoes, you're in the holy ground. And so God, Moses encounters God, and, and then, Moses, then God tells Moses that you got a job to do. My people are in slavery. I hear them calling out, and you, you need to go rescue them. And, and Moses says, well, well, uh, who am I? And God tells him. And then God tells him this. Moses makes another excuse why not to do it. He goes, if I go to the people of Israel, the ones that are captives and slaves in Egypt, if I go to them, the God of your ancestors, and I say, hey, hey, peeps, you know, I, I'm Moses, glad to meet you. God said, let's get out of here. Well, who sent, who's God? Who sent you? And so God says, tell them the God of your ancestors sent me. They will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And listen to what Moses says, because Moses is talking about a, not a God of the past, but a God of the present, the God of the here, the God of the now. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people Israel. I am has sent you. God says, I am here. I am present. I am. I am before. I am here. I am always will be. I am has sent you. God is the God, the living God. Psalm living, my soul longs for and greatly desires the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to who? The living God. The living God. Next verse, Matthew 16. Peter replies, Jesus asks the disciples, hey, disciples, who do they say I am? What's the rumor mill out there? And some people say that you're a great teacher. Some people say that, say that maybe you're a prophet. But then Jesus clarifies. He goes to Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the son of who? The living God. God is long. We sang this song a second ago. It says, God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives. Because he's alive. Because he's a living God. Because he's not some abstract statue, some abstract thought. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all of my fears are gone. Because he lives... I know he lives because he holds the future. And life is worth the living. Why? Because he lives. Jesus Christ. You're feeling overwhelmed, overburdened. The, the, the world has got you down. Know that you serve a living God. God is present among you. First application to this. Moms, 
I can say dads, I can say sons, I can say daughters. Moms, be present in the moment with your kids. Be present in the moment. In other words, in other words don't try to, to always live in the past and don't try to always live in the future. Engage with your kids, engage with those relationships with you today, now, in the moment. There are times in which you need to check out, but most of the time, if your kids are young, they need you now. Most of the, most of the time, your kids always need you to be, instead of, instead of up there, out there watching, watching Netflix and, and disengaged from your kids, your kids need to know that you're around, you're present, you're always active in their life. Be present in their life because they are watching you. They are engaged with you. They are there. Two ways that the Greeks told time. One with chronos. Chronos, is, chronos means the idea of what time is it? In other words, the idea the Greeks had with telling time is, what do I have to do next? So the Greeks said, okay, here, here's my schedule, here's my day timer, here's my taskmaster list. I've got all these things to do. And so they would always tell time. That's one way that they would tell time. Being present is sometimes having a thing scheduled, and so you can figure out what to do, but you're always worried about what you're going to do next. Another way is, what time is it for? What is the purpose of this moment? Isn't that a completely different question than what time is it? Asking yourself at the table, what is the purpose of this? Is, is my purpose surely to take this person from A to B? Or can this moment have a purpose? Can this moment be redeemed? Can it be special? Can Pastor Paul trip over the piano? Can um, this moment be rescued? Got it? Difference in time. How are you using time? Are you using a moment for the purpose? Or are you just moving it to go from one object to the next? Be present in the moment. Be purposeful. Number two, one, you've got a living God. Two, two, where's number two? Two, he is a mighty Savior. God is a mighty Savior. So you've got this living God that is active and present in your life. And now Zephaniah is encouraging the church. Well, he's encouraging the followers of of Yeshua, followers of God. He's encouraging them. And he's saying, hey, hey, God is mighty, and he verse. One, he protects us. God protects us. Nothing is more powerful than God. If you're overwhelmed, that means that, that, that you're starting to look at all of the situations around your life, and, and you're starting to feel pressured in their mighty God. You need a God who's going to save you. Listen to these verses about how powerful God is. In a couple of months, we're going to get into this as we walk through Romans. The Apostle Paul is writing at the end of Romans chapter 8. He writes this great verse. We're going to spend weeks in Romans 8 when we get there. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? All of these things, in all of these things, whether whether I have hardships or persecution or nakedness or danger, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! How big is your Savior? Is he that big? Or is he smaller? Is he minute? Is he small? Is he just, okay, you only get to him every now and then. I am convinced that nothing will be able to separate us 
from the love of Jesus. God protects us. He is mighty. He is a Savior. Not only did he have the power to save, he did it. God saved us. What we know, what we know is that Jesus, we are sinners. We are sinners, and, and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And so God said, I, they need to be saved. They need to be rescued from themselves. What do I do? And so God sent his son. We celebrated that just a couple of weeks ago on the Resurrection Sunday. God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus walked in the dust of the earth. God's only begotten son, born of a virgin, walked on the earth. And then on one tragic Friday, he, he was nailed to the cross. He bled and he died for us. He died on the cross. It is finished. They put him in the tomb, the borrowed tomb, the, the rental of a tomb. They put him in there, and, and he just used it for a couple. Then Resurrection Sunday, poof, he burst forth because sin couldn't be, defeat him. Death couldn't defeat him. Your Savior saved you through his blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that, so that you could have an eternal relationship with him. That is great news, church. Okay. <laughs> okay okay i don't know if i'm gonna have to work up a sweat um moms the application of that is moms protect your children protect your children god is mighty he is a savior he watches out over them protect them from what protect them from evil. i'll never forget talking to a mom who said that she couldn't keep her daughter from certain things because she did that as well even though the things that she did were evil, she wouldn't stop her daughter from participating in those evil things because she had done it. False, horrible. Protect your kids from evil. If they're participating in evil, get them out of it. Rescue them. Protect them from the corrupt cultural influences. Watch what they watch. Listen to what they listen to. Be with them among their friends. You don't have to be, just because you're, you're a senior doesn't mean that you can't, you can't still invest in your daughter who's 40 years old. Your daughter who's 40 years old should still be living. Go visit them one day. Hey, I just wanted to watch what you're watching on TV. What, Mom? Yeah, 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 hold them accountable. Um, protect them from people who want to abuse them, of course. Know who they are hanging out with. Know who they're hanging out with. Know what they're listening to. Protect them from their external, protect their reputation by always talking good about them. Be honest with them. Protect them. Watch over your kids. Moms, protect your children. See, the Bible tells us this. It says, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Moms, help guard the heart, your heart first. Your children are watching and you're going, Going, why is mom giving her heart to something that is not good, something that is not right, something that is unknowable? Why is mom hanging out with that guy who is no good for her? Why is mom making those decisions? Your children are watching you. They're always watching you. They're always listening. They're always engaged in you. Guard your heart above all else. Protect them with wisdom, moms. I find it fascinating that in the book of Proverbs, in chapters, I think it's chapters 8, 9, and 10, wisdom is personified as a woman. Wisdom is personified as a woman. And yet, oh, we can't allow women to express wisdom. Huh, the Bible does, but we can't. Okay, sorry, sidebar. Um, protect them with wisdom. What does wisdom say? What does she say? Fear of the Lord is a foundation 
on wisdom. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. The fear of the Lord, you protect them with wisdom, you give them and you lead them to God. One, you've got a living God. Two, you've got a mighty Savior. Three, you've got a God who delights in you. God the Father truly delights in you. He will take delight in you. In other words, in other words God is not thinking, well, well, you know, I'm going to take delight in you until someone better than you comes along, and then I'm going to ditch you like an old rag, and I'm going to come over here and take delight in Lance over here, you know? And, and that's not what God says, is it? Is that how God operates? No, God delights in every single one of us. Every single one of us, God delights. The Lord takes pleasure. He delights in those who fear him, those whose hope is steadfast in the Lord. God, God, God just looks at you, and he says, that's my child. Man, man, can you imagine how proud God is of you today? How much God delights. Heart stirs when you do something well, when you do something right. God thoroughly delights in you, church. For the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. And so, and so here you are, and, and you're humble, and you express the humble attitude. Instead of doing something prideful, instead of doing something arrogant, you did something, and God says, yeah, that's my boy. That's my girl. Come on, come on, come on. We've all cheered our kids on at one time or another, right? You've all had that proud thing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's who I love. God delights in you, church. Never, ever forget that. You might stumble. You might, you might do something that, that, that didn't work right and, and you failed. And that doesn't mean that God's lessened. God loves you. And, and he, you're going to see in a moment what he does. God delights. John Piper, a great author, he writes this, God delights in us, wait, God's delight in us is that we delight in him. You recognize him, you, you acknowledge him, and God says, ah, oh, I am, I, I'm, I'm their God. Woo! God is so proud of you. He, he delights in you. He knows you're going to mess up. He's aware that, that sin lures us. He aware, but, but when you rebuke sin, you rebuff sin, oh, your daddy is proud of you. Your daddy longs for those moments. God delights in it. Lesson for the moms. Moms, persistently delight in your children. Persistently delight in your children. Every time your children do something, just talk well about your, your children. Speak highly about them. Continually, persistently, just do it all the time. Your children will be raised in a very challenging culture. Your children are going to be raised in, in some difficult times. It doesn't matter whether your children are 50 or whether they're 5. It's a difficult time sometimes. And they need you to persistently delight in them. So when they, when they call you up and they say, Hey, Mom, I just wanted to say hi. Oh, that's my daughter. That's my boy. Your kid, you, you need to delight in them. Be delightful for them as well. There's a picture of our family. And, and I'm the handsome one. <laughs> Amy's a beautiful one. Ma, uh, Matthew and Lindsay are the, the brilliant one and the talented one. And, and I could talk about my kids, but this is, I'm not going to. You know, this is how a lot of times we look at face, 
Facebook posts, right? Oh, look at that family. What a great looking family. Isn't that a stunning looking family? And you post that on Facebook, you put that on Instagram. You know what you don't see behind that picture? Is you don't see one of someone's complaining, oh man, why are we sitting on the steps? These things are hard. Or there's a rock underneath my bum. I can't, okay, put your arms across here or put your arms like that. You're not sitting right. Put a smile on your face. Meanwhile, the guy's going, he's trying to take multiple pictures of it. You know, all you do most of the time is this is the picture that you want everybody to see. It's not the picture of the true you. You need to delight in your family members when the camera is not looking at you. You need to delight in your family members when they're complaining about sitting on a hard step. You need to delight in your family members at all times. Moms, always delight in your kids. Always speak well of them. Dads, same for you. Build your kids' reputations up. If your kids are 50 years old, build their reputation. What I hear about your kids, oh man, I think that they walk on water. Number four, calm our fears. The Lord calms our fears with his love. The Lord calms our fears. Look, with his love, he calms some of your fears, right? And, and some of your fears you get to have, and some of the fears you get, you get to be um, anxious about. Is that what this says? He calms how many of your fears? All of your fears. Well, how does he do that? With his love. You know, what do we have to fear today anyways? What do we have to fear this week? I got a phone call. Phone call from my sister. Oh, no, there's a measles outbreak. Two people got measles in Irvine. Paul, because, because you know, it's going to come this way and it's going to kill you, Paul. And, and by the way, you know, when we were young, the measles shot wasn't quite good enough. And so, ah, you're going to die. Almost exactly what my sister said, right? Um, so what, is we, what do we have to worry about? We got the flu, the, not the measles kind of running endemic. We got these, okay, this is kind of a sidebar, but not really. I think that if you eat raw rat, you deserve the bubonic plague, okay? A couple of people, a couple of people got the bubonic plague because they ate raw rat meat. But, you know, then the plague starts out and we, we, we worry about getting bubonic plague. My hint, don't eat raw rat, okay? And you won't get the plague. You can worry about other things. We live in fear of fire. So what do we do? We have fire insurance at our house, right? You live in a fear of an accident. So what do you do? Seatbelt, helmet, you know, gloves on when you drive. So that, and, 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 and you put a lot of space between you and the car in front of you. Why? why? Because we live in fear. We, we have, yeah, fear of snakes. Amy has a fear of snakes, and so she doesn't go in our backyard. Um... Don't tell her. We have a little stream. Don't tell her. We have a little stream, and there are little froggies in the stream. And you know what snakes like to eat? Okay, they like to eat frogs, and so I would bet you there are little snakes in the stream that's like right in our back. She'll never go there again, okay? Um, Because we got that fear. Okay, of financial situations. We, We fear financial difficulties. We fear death. And so we put airbags in our cars. Oh, we don't want to. We don't want to die. We guardrails on our freeways, gloves on our hands. You now go to Stater Brothers, and what do you do? Because you know, heaven forbid, you touch a shopping cart that somebody else has touched. Oh, let me get that wipe across, because you know, for nine hundred years we've been pushing carts without them, and and you know, we now we need them. Oh no! And we're finding out that little thing that we clean our hands with ruins us and makes us more susceptible to disease. Oh no! We got lots of things.
We have lots of stuff to fear. I could go on. But listen to what Paul says. He, Paul, I believe the Apostle Paul was concerned about this. Listen to what he fears. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering and become like him in his death. What, is that, what does that say? And so somehow. Was there a moment in Paul's life that he doubted that even though he worked really hard, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he might not get to the prize? Even the Apostle Paul has this moment of humanity in his life and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Moms, here's the application. Dads, daughters, publicly let your kids know that you love them. Publicly. Don't just let your kids know that you love them in your prayer life. Publicly let your kids know that they're loved. They should hear you talking to somebody else on the phone about how much you love them. They absolutely should. You need to discipline them? Absolutely. We need to discipline your kids, but you discipline them in love. You need to feed your kids, but you need to feed your kids in love, not with a whole bunch of sweets. You need to not give your kids diabetes, okay? Feed them and feed them well, but feed them in love. You need to teach them, absolutely. Teach them with your life. Teach them how you walk. Teach them your faith. Be the voice of wisdom, Mom. Teach them, guide them, direct them. Publicly, let your kids know how much you love them. God, the living God, is with us. The mighty Savior is with us. God delights in us. He calms our fears. He rejoices over us with joyful song. This is the part of the verse that connected me to having preaching the sermon because I love the fact that God sings over us. You know, I, I, I've seen many moms with a brand new baby. Mom does this little song, you know, where they sing to the little baby, Hush, little baby, don't cry. When I did it to Matthew, he cried. I started to sing to Matthew. Ah! <laughs> I couldn't see with Matthew. And so then I, then I thought, well, maybe it's just a Matthew thing. He has, he, maybe he had a really good ear when he was an infant. I tried to sing to Lindsay. Lindsay, don't you cry. Ah! She would cry too. Okay, so if, if you're not Paul, sing to your kids, you know. He rejoices over you with songs, joyful songs. Have you ever thought about that? That God sings over you with joyful songs. God, God this, is, this is hope for the future. This is, a, he's gonna, at, when, when you get to meet Jesus face to face, and, and as that song says right here, because he lives, it says, then one day I'll cross that river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory. When you see the lights of glory and death gives way to victory, God will sing over you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You made it. I am so proud of you. I- I'm going to sing a song for you. You ever notice that, that every time someone's in love, that's why the radio station Coast stills in business, right? Because you got a young boy, you got a young, young boy, and he finds a young boy who likes to do the young girl. Sing to her. Make sure your brain doesn't go in the gutter. What's, what's the next thing? What's a young woman, what's a young girl want to do to a young boy? They want to sing to each other. They love to sing. Is it any wonder that every culture all across the world loves to sing? 
Could it be? Could it be? Just part of the image of God that we bear is the ability to sing over one another, to one another, because God sings over us and to us. Find me a culture that doesn't sing. I don't think there is one. A culture that doesn't have some sort of song, some sort of rhythm. And could it not be because our God, our God sings. Angels sing, right? They're singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then God the Father sings, well done, my good and faithful servant. You, you resisted temptation. Oh, I'm so proud of my boy, so proud of my, my girl. She, she, she's walking by faith. She's living by faith. She, she's resisting temptation. She, oh, look, look, at look, look at, she invited someone to church. Hint. Um, oh, look, look, she, she's bringing her friends. She's sharing her love about me. Oh, oh, I'm going to dwell within those people. And he starts to bring out, break out in song. Where is my piano playing Trevon, man? Context of this verse is everything. These Jewish believers and, and their culture is corrupt. In the context, in the context, their leaders, their leaders are all but amoral. They're completely without morals. They're religious leaders. They're, they're stealing from God in order to increase their own personal wealth. The people, the other cultures are invading them and they're adopting those, those statues and they're calling them their gods. They're sacrificing other things to those gods. They're taking the resources God provided and they're giving it to fake gods. And in the midst of that traumatic culture, there are some faithful remnants that, that love God. And God says, I'm going to sing over the top of you. I will sing. Hope in the midst that should give us a purpose to sing. What if we left here being a singing people? Oh, man, what is this, a 60-voice choir? Oh, wouldn't that be great? Oh, hallelujah. Um, the other thing is, an obedient person stayed faithful to the end. They were obedient all the way to the end. And then they see the light of glory coming, and they hear God. Moms, moms, I want you to perpetually sing over your children. Sing over them. I don't care if you have a good voice or a bad voice. I don't care whether they're 50 years old or they're five days old. Sing over your children. Your, your older children are going, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> they're going to freak out, right? You're going to go, oh, I'm singing over you, daughter. I'm singing over you, son. Why are you doing that? The pastor told me to do it. I'm going to sing over you today. Are you sure you're okay, Mom? Yeah, I'm fine. Sing songs of hope to your children. Sing songs of rejoicing. Sing songs of faith. Sing songs of love. And what will happen? Your children, your children, will be children of faith. They're going to walk with God. They're going to talk with God because they're going to have seen it modeled in you, in your life. Things we learn from this passage in Zephaniah. We need, to, we need five things we learn. Um, Oh, I'm not going to do that. That's going to take forever. We need to, one, have a know that God is living with us. Two, we need to see that God is a mighty Savior. Three, we need to see that God delights in us. Four, we need to see that God calms our fears with love. And five, we need to see that God rejoices over us with joyful songs. Are you guys ready for a really good day? This has been a great morning. I, I, I appreciate, thoroughly appreciate those, they went to L.A. to go get these flowers. They went to the L.A. flower market to go get you flowers. And, 
and, and I deeply appreciated those who took the time to go do it and make the bouquet. Photo booth in store for you right after church. I want you to take a photo with your family and be goofy, have fun, because we're in the church. We should be goofy and have fun. We don't always need to be like this. Okay, Charles? We don't always need to be like this. We can be like this sometimes. Have fun, engage with one another. And let me close with us reading this verse together. And then I will close this in prayer. You guys ready? One, two, three. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you. How? We can't be happy. Lord, Lord, we just thank you so much that you delight in us. Sometimes, Lord, if we're honest, we don't understand that. That that you delight in us as we have failed and we've fallen. But Lord, we're here today and we thank you for your grace picking us back up like a good mom, picking us back up, brushing off the dust off of our knees. Lord, and and, and Lord, you are here with us, embracing us, giving us your hug, your, your spirit to guide and direct us. So Lord, thank you for this time that we can just listen to you. And in the deep echo of our of thanksgiving, you to us. In your precious name, Jesus, we give you thanks.